Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 23 An Uninvited Guest The Major moved quickly through the palace. Flaming torches were being lit as the last deep amber hour of the day burned across the horizon, the view clear from the palace in the skies. The gardens were crowded with wealthy nobles, resplendent in exotic furs and finely cut silk robes, jewels on fingers, wrists, around necks and even on toes. They scented themselves with oils worth more than a poor family would spend on food for a month. The ladies' faces were painted to accentuate their smoky eyes, rosebud lips and the blush of peaches on their cheeks. Many of the men had also darkened their eyelids and their beards stained with costly saffron spoke volumes about their profligacy. The flow of people led forward, a procession through the Sultan's gardens. A path was laid out by scattered petals that released scents as the flowers were crushed underfoot. The Major breathed heavily, and with each step he favoured his right leg. He felt a twitch in his right eye, and for a few seconds his vision blurred. He stopped moving, cleared his mind to think of the ripples of water intersecting and spreading out, then intersecting again. He began to breathe more easily and the blurring of the shapes before him melted away. He could still feel it, an oily bitterness at the back of his eye socket, the same oily bitterness cramping his right hand that he held in a firm fist. Time was running out. He stepped around the nobles in front of him, then picked up his pace, weaving between them, ignoring their splutters of indignation and their pokes in his back. He stepped past a woman so fat he assumed no horse could carry her, and then into the pavilion of the wedding itself. The sides of the marquee had been hung with white and gold bolts of diaphanous silk and were tied together in bunches, giving the whole pavilion the appearance of being under a lady's skirt and looking up. Long tables, covered in red sheets and with golden plates bearing delicacies of a hundred nations, ran the length of the room. The servants in pink tunics and matching pink caps trotted around the room offering plates of a moose-bouche to the assembled guests. Dedicated vintners whispered in the ears of the nobles, determining their particular taste, then summoning a butler to dispense an appropriate vintage. At the far end of the pavilion, Two thrones had been placed side by side on a raised dais, 
shallow steps leading up to it from the ground. One throne was towering and wide, with carved imperial eagles frozen in open-beak cry on each shoulder, spreading their wings to touch tips in the middle. The other was smaller and narrower, with golden statues of doves echoing the king's mighty raptors. The sultan was dressed in a puffy red turban and white silk robes, embroidered with gold swirls. Mithridates was exuberantly discussing something with a noble couple from the east. Her husband's wide-eyed alarm at the sultan's rosy cheeks, red nose, slurred words and bloodshot eyes. His wife, entranced by the egg-sized ruby, pinned against an ostrich plume that swayed in the turban above her. The twinkling of the jewel reflecting as sparkles in her eye. A concerned servant whisked the sultan's brimming goblet of wine from him as another replaced it with a slender vessel. Mithridates frowned as he watched the goblet disappear off into the crowd, then drained the thimbleful in one draught. Across the room was a red-veiled Delani, surrounded by her maids-in-waiting, each one of them so beautiful and elegantly dressed that they would have been the talk of any other party had she not been there. The major's heart skipped a beat as she tilted her head back and laughed in conversation with her ladies, the arch of her neck bringing a warm glow under his tight military collar. Behind her entourage, their formal uniforms crisp and their armour gleaming, stood men of the Sultan's elite guard, alertly scanning the crowd for any danger to the Sultan or his bride-to-be. Manu staggered forward, his red cap rolling to the ground as his shoulders stiffened and he winced as a spike of white fire that lanced through his spine. Your Majesty, I beg you, listen to me. The Sultan stepped back, his eyebrows raised and a trickle of wine on his lips as his bleary vision focused on the newcomer. Two elite guards stepped forward quickly and intercepted Manu, grabbing him by the shoulders. Your Majesty, I'm here to warn you. The war has been staged and an assassination plot hatched against you. He pulled out the parchment from his tunic, blinked as all the vision went from his right eye, then flickered back on again to a hazy image of the Sultan's shocked face. Majesty, the Grand Vizier's voice was smooth and assuring. Arshan was smiling, but his eyes were narrow slits of malevolence. It seems we have an intruder. Allow me to deal with this vermin myself. A crowd was forming around them. The buzz and chatter within the pavilion had fallen to a hushed silence, and the Grand Vizier's words rang clearly across the room. Delaney's entourage ran forward, and the Jewel of Nineveh pushed between the nobles 
and gasped when she saw Manu standing there, her hand going to her mouth to stifle a scream. Vermin? Manu struggled weakly against the steadfast guards, his head bobbing up and down as he fought for consciousness. You've plotted this all along, raising the war with Nineveh, killing the Sultan's father, demanding I kill the Sultan. The Sultan and the Grand Vizier burst out laughing and turned to each other, a move which elicited a second outburst. You foolish, delirious, raving mad boy. The Sultan cares not one whit for the rage of Nineveh. His mighty armies will crush them whenever and whenever he chooses. As for killing the Sultan, I've had the honour of caring for and teaching this magnificent man ever since he was a boy. I love him not just as my monarch, but also as I would a son. The Sultan beamed as a grand vizier, a tear forming in the corner of his eye, and his pudgy cheeks flushed with emotion. He tapped away the droplet of moisture with a silk handkerchief, then blew his nose with a horn honk. The Grand Vizier bowed to the Sultan. Your Majesty, although this wretched liar deserves nothing better than to be dragged from here and thrown to his doom, allow me to demonstrate my loyalty to you by placing my body between that of the assassin and your royal person. By all means, Arshan, you have my blessing. Deal with him as you see fit. Arshan held out his hand, and an elite guard slapped the hilt of his own sword in the outstretched palm. Manu's guards released their grasp as he shook weakly from them, taking two clumsy drags before he managed to pull his sword free of its sheath. He handed the parchment to the retreating guard, who unfolded it and started to read, his eyebrows creasing, then fixing on the Grand Vizier with a narrowed glare. The circle of guests that had been formed shuffled hastily back, drinks splashing on suits and dresses, shoulders being barged, toes being stepped on, and engaging patisseries rolling on the carpet and being trampled in an explosion of flavour. The Grand Vizier bared his teeth at Manu as they stepped closer together, his voice a low, menacing hiss. You had the chance to change your life. You could have been wealthy and powerful. I was in earnest when I promised that I would divide the city with you, above and below. This is how you repay me? With betrayal? What did you think you could do, stumbling in here, raving like a lunatic? You're practically frothing at the mouth. Monster? You played me like a puppet, but I won't have you pull the strings any more. Manu coughed and gritted his teeth. Once you're dead, I will prove that it was you 
and bring an end to this senseless war. Senseless? Nothing is senseless, you ignorant fool, unless it is the wasteful ruin you've made of all your great talent. You could have been someone powerful, famous, even legendary. But that story ends here tonight, when the boy with promise is sliced apart, even as the city he tried to defend is torn apart too. Hold up that blade, boy. At least give the spectators a semblance of a fight before the poison takes everything from you. Manu was breathing heavily, his jaw slack, and his left arm bent tight to his side, clenching a stiff fist. He held the sword up, and it swayed back and forth as his sword arm trembled. Arshan took a step to the side, grinning as Manu's sword tip wobbled after his paces. Something wrong, boy? You don't look too well. Does the stiffness run through your body, sapping your arms, deadening your legs? How well can you see me? I do so want my face to be the last thing you will ever see. And know this, once I am done with you, I will carry on my plans unabated. Your failure here will cost the lives of all those you hold dear. The elite guard had finished reading the parchment. He pushed through the crowd and handed it to the sultan, whispering in his ear as he did so. After the sultan, blinking slowly and murmuring the words, had finished reading, he narrowed his eyes at the man he had trusted with everything. The elite guard's hand went to the hilt of his sword, but received Mithridates' hand on his wrist to stay him. The vizier raised his chin and his voice. Loyal supporters of the sultan, witness the doom that falls upon an enemy of our beloved city. No doubt an assassin from Nineveh to be dispatched by the sultan's most faithful servant and to spare your ears from any more of his lies. The grand vizier lunged forward, patting Manu's wavering sword aside, then flicking at his face. The thief's head lolled back, black hair falling over his eyes. The vizier stepped back with a cry of delight and slowly walked around the perimeter of the circle of party guests. Manu wiped his cheek with the knuckles of his sword hand, the white glove coming away, smeared with blood. I honestly thought you'd have put up more of a fight. Is that poison proving too much for you? Manu turned on the spot as his glare remained locked on the circling Grand Vizier. His bent left leg trembled, then straightened out as he forced himself erect. A single droplet falls onto the placid water. Rings expand. The mind is the water. 
the ripples are thoughts. Focus on a single thought. I don't remember saying anything about being poisoned. I wonder if your audience finds it curious that you would jump to such a conclusion. Even more curious, who would send a poisoned assassin to kill a sultan, if not to stage a hoax? The Grand Vizier glanced at the sultan and he felt a jolt of horror as he saw the stony glare he received in return. No more lies, assassin. Now you die. The Grand Vizier leapt forward, swinging his curved blade in loops, passing it from hand to hand as he performed a deadly spiral of steel. The blades clashed again and again as the expressionless Manu battered each strike aside to whistle harmlessly away from his body. His left hand slowly unclenched and his shoulders loosened as he sinuously cross-stepped back from Arshan's furious assault. The arcs of the blade were undulating waves intersecting in the mind of the thief. You poisoned me. Manu's voice was quiet and dispassionate. He dropped to one knee and slashed under the whirling blade and across the Grand Vizier's calf, then sprung lightly to his feet as the spinning blades approached once more. He blinked as his vision blurred, then shook his head and gritted his teeth with the effort of maintaining his focus. You set me up. A statement, nothing more. The thief rolled in the opposite direction and with a reverse strike, he whipped his shamshir across the Grand Vizier's thigh, both legs dripping with blood as Arshan staggered back. Manu advanced firmly with blurring arcs of his own, too fast for the onlookers to follow blades sparkling against each other as the Grand Vizier retreated, sweat trickling down his brow and his lip curled with a pain from his wounds. You picked the wrong man. The thief clashed his sword against Arshan's, a twist of the iron wrist knocking the blade from the Grand Vizier's grip. Then the sword plunged forward. Arshan staggered back his wide stare going from the thief's expressionless face to the blade in his chest. He turned and stumbled toward the sultan, clutching at the sword as he fell to his knees. Majesty. His voice was hoarse and blood was bubbling into his mouth. The thief placed the heel of his boot on the grand vizier's shoulder and kicked him forward. Arshan crashed to the floor, driving the sword through his body, up to its guard, and leaving a black pool of blood seeping out across the carpet beneath him. The crowd gasped, and women covered their faces and looked away. The thief knelt in the middle of the circle of onlookers and bowed his head to the sultan. 
Your Majesty, please allow me to present this as my wedding gift to you. A traitor unmasked and an assassination delivered to a more fitting target. The thief's gaze strayed to meet the dark eyes of Delani as she beamed a smile to him, so bright that he felt his, his stomach flip. If you will permit me, Your Majesty, there is something I urgently need to retrieve. Even my tolerance to poisons has its limits. With his heel of his boot, he rolled the corpse of the Grand Vizier onto its side. The blank gaze of its rolled-up white eyes and the coagulating stream of blood from his mouth raising another horrified gasp from the crowd, who stepped further back, their hands over their mouths. The thief kneeled beside the Grand Vizier's corpse and ripped open the blood-soaked front of his tunic, exposing the rows of multicoloured vials. He plucked out the blue one, and with just a moment's hesitation, he put it to his lips and drained it. What was that? The sultan was twitching at his beard with agitated chubby fingers. The antidote to the slow poison Arshan administered to me to guarantee my loyalty when he captured me and forced my obedience. He did not expect me to survive this day. My goodness, but you stood up to him in the end as a true servant of earth. Arshan sought to bring war to this city, simply to create political chaos and to take your throne. Your Majesty, I apologise, but you must hear this. Arshan has also confessed to killing your father with another poison made specially for the purpose. He knew that if you took your father's place, then you would most certainly appoint your most trusted teacher to the position of Grand Vizier, and from there he could build his power and influence, appointing people who would ally with him to critical positions, weakening the positions of those who stayed loyal to the throne by spreading lies and rumours about them. I fear it will be some time before you can rebuild a trusty government and weed out the ones that the Grand Vizier planted. The new captain of the elite royal guard stepped forward. We've had our suspicions for some time now, but were unable to act without firm proof. Arshan blocked each of our investigations, every time saying that we overstepped our authority and could not act outside of our duties and barracks. Clearly that will now change, Majesty. The Sultan frowned and continued to play with his beard as the creases of worry ran across the middle of his forehead. Many things will have to change and I find myself ill-prepared to take control. Arshan ran everything so smoothly, or so I thought. I never had to get involved in any decisions and I, I, uh, I, I do not know how I, I will cope without him. The sultan's attention settled on the thief and a smile spread across his lips. 
his bushy beard fanning out. But you, here is someone who has demonstrated, on pain of their own life, surmounting poisons and even passing all the guards to get to me. I appoint you my head of security and place you in ultimate charge of my well-being. Tomorrow, you must undertake an investigation and interrogations where necessary to purge the Grand Vizier's malign influence from my administration. I cannot sleep easily now with the trust in my officials so damaged. Steve's fingers twitched and he dropped the empty vial. Me? Work for the government? The Sultan beamed at him, twiddling his fingers together in delight. Then you accept. Wonderful. You will be a powerful man. My armies to command and my spies to control. Your wealth will grow like the greatest of my nobles and you will have an honoured place in my court. The thief took a step back as the images broiled in his mind. Here was an elevation undreamed of. A noble? Commanding armies? In all his fantasies of a life of adventure that constantly beckoned around the next bend in the road, he had never aspired to such lofty ambition. But as the pictures rolled in his thought, he wondered, why not him? He had skill and intelligence, at least the match for many powerful buffoons he had encountered. The sultan leaned forward and pursed his lips. You must have a title. Is there any you fancy? Arshan had several. They are vacant now and they have lands and an income of their own. My, my, I don't even know your name. The thief tugged a finger at his tight collar. Uh, it is Manu, your majesty. Mithridates scrunched up his face and shook it from side to side. No, no, no. You are now Lord Manu. Everyone, bow to Lord Manu protector of the sultan, general of the royal army, spy master of the realm. Manu felt the antidote loosening his stiffened joints, but his mind was light and dizzy at this latest revelation. He shook his head to clear his thoughts. Your majesty, I hate to bring more bad news on your happy day. But even now, the army of Nineveh marches through the lower city and threatens the upper walls. They say only one thing will make them retreat, the return of the Jew, or else they will destroy the city. Majesty, they have the force to do it and have overrun all your defences, save for this palace alone. The sultan smiled benignly at Manu, shaking his head slowly and closing his eyes. Lord Manu, your bravery and martial prowess are without question, but I think there is a great deal I will have to teach you about politics over the coming years together. 
When I marry Delani, the cities will be linked as husband and wife, and I shall command a peace. We have spoken all this day, and both agree on the deep significance to finally bringing peace between our cities after generations of conflict. He took her hand and gently tucked it in over his arm and patted it reassuringly. The sultan smiled at the jewel, but her gaze was cast down, then raised again to meet Manu's gaze. Her beauty was marred by her bottom lip trembling. Manu raised an eyebrow at the sultan, admitting in his head he had little understanding of politics, but thinking this is an unlikely outcome. Two grim-faced soldiers of the 1,000 pushed three well-dressed but trembling men before them. A fat man with his hair tied back, a short man with a square beard laced with ribbons, and a hunchback with a long moustache. We caught these maggots trying to slip away, Majesty. Mithridates drew himself up and ran a withering glare across them. Arshan's confidence, my ministers of justice, foreign relations and information. Lord Manu, think you it likely that they were in on the plot? It would seem likely, Majesty. Then take them from here and imprison them. Lord Manu will see to their interrogation tomorrow. In the meanwhile, he paused and let out a long sigh as he looked at Arshan's corpse. His is the saddest betrayal, as deep as a wound as any assassin could strike. Take his body away and have this mess cleaned up. An officer of the 1000 pulled Manu's shamshir free, wiped it clean and knelt in front of the thief, presenting him the sword. General Manu, the blade that protects his majesty. The sultan took the thief by the elbow as the weapon was sheathed. Come, Lord Manu, and stand at my side for my wedding. There should be a place of honour for the man who makes this day possible. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dewish Pasiti and Vinto Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.